love it. Blue. Uh, yeah, I am in my garage, my little garage office corner thing here. Funny. Yeah, Bam, studio. We're live. And we're live. And we're live. Uh, uh, you're Pat- also in your garage, right, Asia? I am, yes. Same yeah. thing. Studio, office, gym, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Barber with the uh, hat on. Asia Bartow with the uh, man bun and Sevon Matosian in the bottom with the uh, boy bun. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't juxtapose those words. <laughs> Pat, thanks for coming on last minute, brother. Yeah, of course, man. I had a little bit of heads up. Asia yesterday texted me and told me like, "Hey, dude, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow." And I thought we were talking about something totally different. Um, so <laughs> we can I talk about. To- we can talk about anything. No, no, no. I mean, I thought he was going to see me somewhere totally different, like a different podcast. And then oh, he's oh, like, oh, no, oh, Stefan's oh. going to reach out. So there was a big mis- – it was great. It was fantastic. Good. I love miscommunication. Good thing we're all professional talkers. Yep. One, yeah, for sure. I'm putting on my toe spacers. Some, some shows start with like – you know, uh, Mr. Rogers started with putting on uh, shoes. Nice. Oh, Which ones do you use? I'm complete. I don't even know. It's from the company called Toe Spacers. Um, it's the ones Danielle Brandon uses. Pat. Yeah. Oh, thank God. They're hers too, right? Those are like These her are actually hers. Yeah. I snuck into her room and got them. That's the only reason why they're with her. I wear them. You wear Toe Spacers? I found that I mainly just need the one between my big toe and the toe next to it. So I mm. got this one that's like a, it's like a cheap one on Amazon that just slides on the, the second toe and pushes the big toe out. Just on? And so it's just, is, just slides. Is it a, it's is, just is like, it a cock it's ring? Kinda, also, it's cock ring toe spacer? It's a dual purpose. Uh, you use it for whatever you wish. I, have you ever smelt yours? Oh, no. Uh, no, I can't say <laughs> I have. Uh, <laughs> Asia, are, you, are you trying to eat right now? No, man. I got a coffee here. Oh. It looked like Sorry. you were injecting something. Yeah, check this out. It's a coffee stir stick. Go oh. everywhere with it. Froth your coffee on the go. Um, I I I recently re I I know I know Pat from just a long history working together. Uh, Pat was a CrossFit Games athlete. Uh, worked at CrossFit HQ. We have a, a long long uh, uh, relationship, knowing each other since basically two thousand maybe seven or eight, mm-hmm. and. Asia, I also met, you know, was a CrossFit Games athlete and then recently rekindled a uh, relationship, relationship with, and it's interesting that this happens, probably unbeknownst to him because he's on Instagram and he has kids and um, people with kids or with any, I guess anyone with passion starts to search out people who also have passion uh, in, in that same realm. And so we start watching each other and you start trying to like basically plagiarize ideas from them. You're trying to figure out, okay, how's this dad work out? What's he do with his kids on the weekend? How do him and his wife, uh, you know, have a job? Do they homeschool? Do they not homeschool? Just all you're, you're basically trying to plagiarize ideas off of other parents who are, um, who are, who are in the, in the same game as you. So you start to kind of build a relationship with these people un, unbeknownst to them. And then I was very, uh, I was lucky enough to meet um, Lindsay, who is uh, one of the owners, if not the owner of BirthFit, who Asia's wife, Leah, works very close with, Leah Bartow. And so I got to have uh, Leah on the podcast, and that was awesome. And that's when I really realized, oh, shit, a lot of our stuff really aligns. And then I thought, oh, it would be fun just to have uh, Asia on the show and just talk about um, dad stuff. Um, 
and, and I have some ideas. And then Asia was like, what about Pat Barber? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy. And Pat, and, <laughs> Pat, and Pat actually probably lives. Pat, you probably live 10 miles from me. Yeah, probably, man. Uh, I think we're pretty close. I live in the country and you live in the sticks. Is that a fair? <laughs> is, that, is that next? That, that's like next yeah. level country, right? I mean, you could say that. You, you, you live in like, like expensive country and I live in like less expensive country. We'll I, I mean, you're really, you're really out there. Well, yeah. I mean, I, it feels like you're way out, but I'm like 20 minutes from the ocean. So, uh, but, but a fire truck can't get to your house. <laughs> a fire truck could get to my house it could uh, yeah for sure, for sure oh not the road that i took to your house <laughs> right get it up that it could get, we, we pulled a we pulled a 40-foot trailer up that before are you kidding me no asia have there you been is. to pat's house i have not not yet i keep telling him to come out but he won't refuse asia i i have a hundred fruit trees on my property Pat probably has the same. Pat has one apple tree that gives more fruit than all my trees combined in net weight <laughs> harvest. That's the kind of shit that's going on out there. It's it's country on steroids. It really it's, is. It's definitely country. That's for sure. I, I'm very fortunate. And how many kids do you have, Pat? A million, infinity at this point in time. Uh, no, I have I have four, uh, four 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 boys. They're all boys, Pat. They're all, all boys, seven. And uh, thank you. And uh, and how many kids do you have, Asia? I have two. And what are yours? One boy, one girl. And, and I have three. Lot. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have three boys. God, I'm so curious what it's like to uh, to have a girl. Aren't you curious, Pat? Yeah, I'm super curious. Never, I'm never going to know, but I'm super curious. You're done? I'm super done. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were kind of, we were kind of done with three, but then we were like, three was so amazing that we were like, you know what, let's do four. Uh, but, but we're getting a little older and this last, this last birth was not as, uh, linear as the others. So, uh, it was, <laughs> we're done. Put it that way. <laughs> it wasn't just lay down and just be like, okay, have it. Okay. Yeah. Go to the no, park I mean, and play. We had we had three like totally straightforward births uh, where it was like you know no epidural go in do the whole thing you know pretty much right on time do do it as as uh, as natural as we could and then this and it was always at a birthing center it was never at home we were never that brave but uh, this last one was uh, placental abruption like so went in for a normal thing and then placental abruption detached from the uterus my wife lost half her blood nearly died emergency c-section crazy stuff but uh, tell me uh, placenta what's the word you're using it's a placental abruption so it's basically where the placenta attaches to the mom uh that's how she provides nutrients to the baby and oxygen and whatnot and that can actually detach from the 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 uh, uterine wall and basically make it so she starts hemorrhaging blood and then the baby has no oxygen, has no, no nutrients, but that happened right while we were, you know, going through labor. It was pretty gnarly. Um, I, I know none of us are doctors, but, um, isn't after my wife had the kids, then she like, you know, she had, you have the kids, you hold the kid and you think it's over and then they give birth to the placenta afterwards. So it wasn't, she supposed to give birth to it anyway, or just detached too yes. early or, or what? Yeah, so you're supposed to give birth to it anyway, but it detached too early. So like while she was laboring, it was it was its connection was weak, and it essentially popped off the wall. Um, 
So, and it was, it went from like pretty normal in terms of labor. Like everything was like, you know, labor is intense as it is, but like it went from like, we're okay to all of a sudden she just hemorrhaged blood. And then the nurse looked at me and like ran out of the room and like 11 nurses came in. And from that point to when she started hemorrhaging to when the baby was out was six minutes. So like they pulled everyone out, went in there, like grabbed a big old knife out and just, you know, pulled the baby out. And, and uh, then she had to get four units of blood. Uh, she ended up losing uh, over half her blood, but it was, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty. How, how much experience. blood can you, how much blood can you lose before you're, you're dead? Um, is, is losing half you're dead. Like you die if you don't get if, blood. If, yeah, pretty much. If, if you don't, if it, well, when you're, when you're pregnant, you actually almost double your blood volume. Um, so no shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, you, you end up adding a ton of blood. Uh, well you don't, but your wife does. Right. Um, and so, and that's, that's why women can bleed so much during pregnancy is because they've got such a higher blood volume. Um, but, uh, she lost a, a lot of blood and had to get a full transfusion, uh, for, uh, four units. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was not, not pleasant, but we're like, we're like, yeah, you know what? Let's just be a sign that we're done now. L listen to this. It, um, uh, this is Google. So who knows if it's true, but. We'll go with it. In a healthy adult, there's an average of 4.5 to 5.5 liters of blood circulating at any given time. Most adults can tolerate to lose up to 14% of their blood. So, so your wife was basically she, she was basically gonna die if if there wasn't yeah. a medical intervention. Totally. If we would have had that birth at home, both my son and my wife would have died. Um, and like, and I know that home births are a thing, and people love them, and that's great. Power to you. For for us, we always went to a birthing center over at Sutter. Uh, and it was just like, I've heard nothing is, but good shit about that, by the way, not, not one bad experience over there. Yeah, man. It's, it's a wonderful place. And we've had, we've, we've had four kids there now. And, and, uh, it was, uh, very thankful that we were there. <laughs> uh, scary doc stuff. Dr. Barber, uh, bringing it, uh, Pat is the Bradley Cooper of CrossFit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Sean says a partial abruption. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, Sean, uh, my wife. Oh, he is an expert too. My wife had an abruption at tw at week twelve. Whoa, with, crazy! With, uh, this baby we had last week. So week twelve. Uh, oh God, I wonder what happens then. So he was saying actually that was he. He then followed that up with partial abruption. So it must have oh, slightly oh. detached from the, the placenta wall. So okay. my wife had the, the the full full abruption. Okay, um, sorry, Sean. I read it backwards. So hers was able to heal, maybe coagulate and scab back up and reattach. <laughs> I don't know if it's that's a pretty graphic imagery, but I, it probably just was uh, wang wang jangling and hanging off for a little bit there. Oh, good thing uh, we have Asia know. here. He's an expert. Asia, can this happen to a pregnant man as well? Uh, Asia will weigh in on all the controversial. I, oh, pool boy, up in I this. I don't believe it could. All right, well there you go. Uh, thank you for the valuable question. Um, is your but this is totally not the way the show is supposed to start. But is your wife still? When did that happen? How how long ago? <laughs> Six months. Uh, so December 3rd. Does she have her uh, skin color back? Does she look normal again? She does look normal again. I mean, she got three. Was she yellow for a while? She was definitely pale. And my wife is very, uh, very tan. Uh, and so she was, <laughs> she was quite pale for a bit. And then uh, she got uh, three units of blood right in the moment um, from Dominican, which was kind of a miracle that was all there. And What's, a unit? Unit What's a unit? A liter? I actually don't know in terms okay. of measurement, but I, mm -hmm. I, I, I know it's quite a bit to, to get four total. Uh, so she ended up getting four and it was, uh, it was, it was uh, a, a sketch experience to say the least. <laughs> oh, it, it sounds like it's half a liter, 525 milliliters. 
There you go. Wow. Um, my wife had a, a miscarriage. Um, and, and like any good husband, she started bleeding, and I was, didn't want her to make a mess in the house, so I put her in the bathtub. And right. uh, when I went and checked on her later, uh, she was starting to go unconscious. Mm-hmm. So I took her to the hospital, and uh, nice, she was the nice thing. Right? Are you? That was super kind of you to yeah. actually end up taking her to the hospital. I appreciate your during the middle of UFC one ninety four, and I had pay, pay per viewed it, so I was really pissed. No, I'm joking. I don't remember if it was fight night. Anyway, <laughs> she was yellow. She, I mean, she lost a shit ton of blood. Pulled, the bathtub was filling with blood, and she was yellow for probably six months. Oh wow! She, 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 yeah, she just didn't have her color. Especially yeah, around wild. scar tissue, you know, like places where she had scar tissue or surgeries or knee surgery or whatever. It was a trip. Yeah. It took her a fucking long time to get her color back. I guess you need yeah. you need good blood. Mm-hmm. It's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> blood is important. Uh, my my entire life I never felt um like like any anyone really i guess maybe i felt like i would say i was like an armenian boy or like i knew who my parents were but i never would be or like i knew i was in the sixth grade or you know when i turned seven i would tell people i was seven but i was never like hey i'm a soccer player or hey i'm a guitarist or i was never any i never had any a strong identity maybe my identity was rooted in feelings that my parents love me but when i had kids that was the first time in my life very quickly. I was like, holy fuck, I'm a dad. Mm. Like I, I straight up, I don't know if I own that shit, but it was given to me. I felt the impact of it. And um, it's the most um, fictional role that I've ever bonded with, that, that I've ever like embraced. Like when my kids call me dad, like I own, like I am that. I'm playing that. I can't, even though I, I can't get out of it. I, I, and I love it. Like, I'm just fully embraced it. Do you, do you, Asia, do you have, I know you were more of an athlete and you probably earned some things earlier on in your life, but do you remember that being different when you had kids and just being like, Oh fuck, I'm a dad. Like, yeah, I, there was, there was a moment where I was like looking at my father who, you know, 20 years older than me and imagining like, okay, that's my dad. And now I'm that to some, someone else. And it's funny. Cause it's like, you have your birth, they hand you the baby, and there's no instruction manual, you go home with it, and you're like, all right, now I have to keep these, these children alive. But I mean, it's a big responsibility shift. And I, you know, I competing and playing professional sports and all those things, like I was always, you know, fond of my role within sports and whatnot. But um, moving into becoming a father is, is something that they don't provide you assistance, guidance, help, instruction manual with, you just kind of have to figure out as you go along, but then you seek out other fathers like yourself and you mirror what they're doing or at least seek information and guidance from there. And you just kind of, kind of wing it as you go along, find out what works, keep it things that don't do away with it. Are, are there yeah. things that you do during the day? Like when I pull up to the house and I see trash outside, like, and I, and I'll go, I'll stop the car. Like before I pull into the driveway to pick up the trash, I'm like, yep, this is dad shit. Like even just little things like that. I'm like, yep, this is what my dad would have done. He'd have picked up the cigarette butts that someone threw in front of the house or you want to go to bed, but there's dirty clothes on the floor in someone's room and you're in there picking that shit up. And you're like, it's like, almost like you don't even recognize yourself. You're like, who is this guy? Yeah. I mean, those, you know, those are a lot of things that your dad did. Right, right, and that's and what I mean. I, but but I would have you. never done it as a kid. I just would have run by, by him and been like, sucker. You know what I mean? Like, I do a lot of those things, too, to just kind of mirror the role that I want my, my kids to see. You know, you mentioned, hey, this is stuff that I saw my dad do when I was younger, and now these are things that you're doing as well. 
Yeah. And so we might do the same, right? We're on a walk within our neighborhood and I'm picking up trash, taking care of like our neighborhood, our block, right? Hopefully modeling that thing, that action for him that he can do down the road, but just, you know, doing the right thing, being an integritist human being and, uh, and like leading the family, how you would presume you'd want to, or how your father did. Is, is that the strongest thing you've ever felt is, is being a dad? Like the, 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 the most, um, I don't know, role, I guess role, you know, to use that Shakespeare said something like we're all actors, you know, coming and going on the stage. Do you feel like dad's the one you most rooted in? Does this question even resonate with you? What I'm saying? I think what, what I'm, what I'm resonating with is just the responsibility that comes with it. And I think, that I wouldn't say that I felt like the strongest role when I had children, but I think I've never had a greater responsibility than when I brought children into this world, like understanding how to take care of them, how to be the role model that you want to be for them. And a lot of those things you don't know upon children coming into this world, but it's stuff that you walk into and you realize, oh shit, like I have to set the example for them. And a lot of it doesn't necessarily change with how I've carried myself and how I've lived my day to day, but you know, you've got these two human beings that start very, very small and growing on up, you want to make sure that you take care of them, you know, financially, that you're able to um, support them, you're, you're, you're able to provide for them. So responsibility was a big thing that I stepped into that I don't think I've ever had a greater responsibility. I think that's obvious. Any father that stepped into this, you know, that's the biggest thing with having children. What would be some, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Pat. I think it's just one of the most confronting things that happens to you, uh, depending on where you're at in life when you have a child, is just like, you, you know, you might identify as the role as like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a dad now, because that's inherent in the fact that you now have a child. But um, I think in that moment, at least for me, I still wanted to be myself. I still wanted to be like an individual who's like, yeah, no, I'm still important and very important to myself. And, and you realize in that moment when you have a kid that you're less important than you're responsibility to your children and that's the first time like your wife is your wife and and oftentimes they're another adult human being but when you have a child that's like slaps you in the face with like i'm no longer the most important thing to me anymore and for me that was that was a big transition that was something i fought for like three years before i embraced it and that was when i like kind of brought it on and was like okay now i'm a dad and and then what's it look like when you fight it pat give me an example what's that look like well, I mean, the, the initial, I mean, Asia can speak to this and you can as well. Like when you have a child, like those first, the first year, you're kind of useless. Like you can change diapers, yeah, you can, yeah. you can help your wife out, but like, you don't give life to this thing. You, your you support, don't, your support, you're not dunking at all. Sure. You just pass, bring in the water, you're, pass balls. And you don't get any love. You don't have any sort of like, like a fill like the ball up with connection. air. Pretty much. And then like, yeah. until they start like looking at you and, you know, like, like having this interaction, it, it takes, it takes a while for that to, some people take it right on, you know, like, and just pick it up. But uh, for me, it was like, I fought it and it was a struggle. And I was like, I was frustrated that I wasn't getting sleep. And I was, you know, like it was just being a self-absorbed little prick. Like I was for most of my life. And uh, the sooner I let go of that, the, the more enjoyable the entire parenting experience was. And that was when I really embraced like fatherhood and was like, this is a, this is a hefty role. Like right when it comes out, you're a dad, but like, <laughs> but, but, but once you kind of give in to the whole, like, this is not about you anymore. It's about something else. That's to me, when you become a father, how, how do you let go? How, how, what do you have to do to, um, 
I, what do you do to accept it or to let go or quit fighting? Because and why, why let go? Because it's a losing battle. Why why not just keep you know down the path? You call it being a prick, but why not keep just going down that path? Fight it. Well, because I think letting why let go? Letting go is is about is to me about accepting the the present versus you know being frustrated that you're no longer able to go out and do whatever you want. Um, so letting go and accepting how difficult things are makes it that much more enjoyable. It's the same thing as like, if you're fighting, if you're doing a workout and you're like fighting it the whole time being like, I hate this, this is bad. Like it's going to be bad. But like, if you're like, yeah, we're here, I made this choice. We're doing this. It's, it's that much more enjoyable. And then when weird or terrible stuff happens, you can, you can embrace it a little bit easier. So that letting go makes the whole experience that much better. That's what I'm saying about uh, I'm going to give an example, and uh, I think Asia and Pat will agree. This is every – once you have kids, this is uh, – my kids are six and eight, and this is how everything goes. And so I think, I think this is what Pat means. Uh, you go to the coffee shop. Um, everyone's behaving. Everything's great. You get to the counter. You order your food. Um, their food comes. It's now been 15 minutes. You've ordered all the food. You got everyone seated in their seats. You have their napkins. Everyone, you've taken everyone to go to the bathroom. You're finally about to sit down and drink your coffee, and um, someone knocks your coffee over. <laughs> and then, and then, and then the, you look, and there's 15 people in line, but and then it's time to go because you got to take someone to a soccer game, and you don't get your coffee. And I, I think what Pat is saying is that you ha- at that point you have you have to figure out how how am I going? That's every day. <laughs> and so if you yeah. don't figure out how to enjoy that, you're just going to fight that. You're going to walk to the car angry, right? That's what you're basically saying. Like you're Pretty just much. about to leave the house. You're so excited. Your wife's got everything, and, and your kid runs by you and shits on the floor. And your wife's breastfeeding yeah. over here, and you're like, "Well, I guess I'm not going to the movies right now. I'm gonna clean shit on the floor." Yeah. And if you don't learn to enjoy totally. that, you're fucked, right? That's what you mean. You have to just be like, "Yeah, that's yeah, it. that's okay. it." I mean, and I and and I think, but yeah, that's it, crazy. Once you do it, that's accept crazy. it. It's, it's yeah. fantastic, though. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yes. I mean, I you can. I agree. You, I can speak to that. It's like. Once you accept how shitty a lot of it is, it's really wonderful. <laughs> right, right, right. I love, right. I love it. Like I've never felt a stronger identity, like you're saying, than being a father. Uh, and it makes everything else seem pretty trivial. I think it's also understanding that it's not short lived, right? We're in this for the long haul. Yeah. So you know, it's in, embracing the steps along the way, but also understanding that, like, I've got two choices. I can either suffer through this and make this terrible and make this about myself and be very like self-consumed or i can like understand that life is just going to be different for the now and for the future and let's make the best of it and i think it also comes down to the individuals that are making that decision too like we're all very obviously more similar than we're different but we're unique individuals and how we think how we act how we you know the values that we believe in and not every father is going to say and speak on the things that we are a lot of the fathers are going to say, you know what, I'm going to remove myself. You know what, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to stay self-consuming, whatever it is. So it takes a unique individual to be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to embrace the journey, understand what's going on, and really make the best of best of it. Pat, how did you figure out? Um, how, how did you figure that out? What Asia's talking about, and what you were talking about. How do you figure out? Um, because for me, it, for me, what you're saying is like I, I'm, I fight that every single day. It's not so. It's not. I wouldn't say it's so much that I'm a self-absorbed prick. It's that I start getting in these schedules, right? I get in like anytime I'm in a rush, I start falling out of the present, right? And, mm-hmm. and had, so I'm always reminding myself, like if I get off at the wrong exit and now I'm in traffic and we're going to be 15 minutes late to an appointment, I have to remind myself, hey, dude, you're arguing with reality again. 
how did you catch yourself and someone did someone tell you hey dude you got to just accept the present or were you just so frustrated you were looking for an out from your moods yeah, I think it was it was a frustration thing. It was like I, I realized that that like I was not happy and I was pretty miserable, even though I had so many things going for me. And it was just this and it was like even things that were previously fantastic, like my relationship with my wife. You know, it was it was something to where I was letting the I was letting the circumstance dictate how I felt and and uh, <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah. how I moved through life. And and I was just trying to be something I wasn't anymore, whether it be a, a elite level competitor and sacrifice all that time or whether it go out and, you know, play, go surfing whenever I wanted to. It was just like, that's not where I'm at anymore. Yeah. And I I, I it, it, it also as my kids started to age, my first son, Oaks, who's 10 now. Um, Holy shit! Yeah. He's ten. Isn't that wild? Yeah, dude. Crazy. Ten, seven, five, four, and six months. But uh, the he started exhibiting my negative symptoms, or like the things that were shitty about me. Even at three years old, he started holding up this little mirror of like, "This is how you act, Dad." Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I see oh cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and so that the, the, the responsibility of like, oh, this is. Like, you don't listen to what I say. You act how I act. So that became so uh, huge in my face that it's like, I'm, I shouldn't be doing, <laughs> I shouldn't be acting this way. Like, I'm an adult. Like, the difference between you and me is I can, I can rationalize this and change this in my head. You are just modeling what you see. So that, that made it so I, I had to be different. So that was, that was one of the bigger things that made me shift. And it's made every piece of parenting since then a lot better. Um, uh, Asia, when you when you met your wife, did you guys know you were going to have kids? No, no, no. And I've always been. I, I tell this story oftentimes, but I, I never saw myself as a father. And yeah, I know me neither. When, when we when we got oh, into none of us, none of us ever thought or saw ourselves as fathers. Wow, wow. Mm. Not I didn't even see it as a little bit. You guys, not even a little bit, huh? I mean, I, I thought I'd probably have kids at some point, but I never envisioned what that experience was going to be like. I was like, yeah, I'll probably have kids. Oh, um, I yeah, I didn't even think I'd have kids. I, I was actually against having kids. Yeah, I that wasn't against it, but it wasn't something that I saw within my future. But okay. you know, you you fall in love with somebody and you care for them, you know, more than you care for yourself or you care for the world, and you want what's best for the family. And if they're like, "Listen, I love you, you love me, and if we're gonna stay together, like this is what I want for our life," you have to make a compromise. And she wanted kids. Your wife wanted kids. Yeah. And, and then so you you acquiesce. You're like, okay. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a push pull. Hey, I want children. Okay. Well, we have to make sure that we are, you know, financially stable or in the right position to do it where we have to be at the right time. We have to, you know, collaboratively make this decision versus, Hey, I want kids. Cool. Let's have kids. Like we, we, uh, we assess the situation and, and I think we intelligently had children at the times that we did. Um, and, uh, you know, when I first met her in, when we first started dating in 2010, like this, this wasn't even a conversation, but as we got more serious and we got married, I always knew these things about her versus the conversations that we've had. But I think as we got, went along our relationship and our relationship developed, we took the appropriate steps within a relationship. We got to the point where it was a feasible time to do it. We did it. How long did you know her before you had kids? Um, almost a decade, about. Yeah, um, Pat, um, did you know uh, when you when you met your wife, w did you get married and know that you guys were going to have kids and all that? How did that well, come about? We we 
we got together in 2009 um, at the games, as you know, that was super fun. And then we ended up um, moving back to Santa Cruz in 2012. And we had just started thinking about having children. We weren't married yet. We were engaged, but we were did getting you kiss married. In my, so. Did you kiss in my motorhome? I never kissed in your motorhome. Oh, okay. uh, it was it was the year after the motorhome, so oh, I think okay. it was two thousand. Didn't you have the motorhome in two thousand eight and nine? You're talking about in Aromas. Okay. You met her in Aromas. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, she came to Santa Cruz. She she came and stayed with me for a week in Santa Cruz that year, um, and then we kind of fell in love and did the whole thing with. Yeah, no, it was great. I can tell you that story if you want to. But the 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 uh, we I didn't we didn't like plan it really. It was just kind of like we we're like let's 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 think about having kids. And then she, she, I moved back to Santa Cruz and she came back like two weeks later. And we then did the thing that you do after you haven't seen each other for a little bit. Uh, and it was very passionate and amazing. And she was like, Hey, by the way, I stopped taking birth control. And I was like, I should have, I've been nice if you told me that before <laughs> like 38 seconds ago. Um, and, and she, and, uh, that was, that was the one and done for our first son of, of getting pregnant. And, going and, and you weren't, and you weren't married yet. We weren't. No, we were engaged. So during our during our wedding, she has this giant pregnant belly, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, Eaton Beaver. Uh, good morning, Pat. Rock the shaved head. You have a shaved head, Pat? I do, dude. Going oh. bald, so I shaved it off. Oh, nice. That's you good, shave yeah. it yourself? I shave it myself. I can't pay for that. Yeah, fair. I don't got that uh, kind of men talking about catch. birth. The ladies from the View would be so proud. Well, thank Thanks, pool boy. Thank you. Uh. Asia freaking Barto, C CTP camp. Well, that's a fucking awesome logo. It is a cool logo. Um, uh, TLB uh, at Asia Barto. It's my dad right there. That is. <laughs> oh wow, pops paying twenty bucks to slide that in there. Huh? Yeah, he's a good dude. What's that T right there? What is it? Yeah, I think, I think it's just a random photo of a T. Oh okay. Barto. It's the it's the toe from Barto. Strong yeah. strong T. Uh oh, uh, Sonny Kate. My marriage did not survive children. We had the connection, but not the communication. I would that that statement is profound. In all honesty, communication is one thousand <laughs> percent. What gets you through that? Because like, yep. it, and and like the honesty of like just being like, I'm not going to hold shit in. I'm just going to let you know something, and we're going to go back and forth, and I'm going to realize I was wrong, and letting you know the way I did, like that communication is huge and whatever he just who or she whoever that was just said that that was uh, uh i would 100 percent agree that communication is even more important than that connection um so so but, but your communication was uh, had a 38 second lag time <laughs> uh in that <laughs> hey we communicated deeply after not on his end it was yeah, my I was yeah, I it was fine. Hey, hey, are you cool with that? You know what's fun? So my my twins are, happened the same way. My wife told me she was ovulating, and then the next night she's like, "What the fuck did you just do?" And I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "I told you I was ovulating," and I said that was yesterday. And two weeks later, she's pregnant oh. with twins. Right. Um, was, was that an issue? Were you when she told you she was pregnant? Were you cool with it, or, or did your whole did your whole life flash before your eyes? Like you, <laughs> you know, because my wife one time told me on April Fool's she was pregnant. Before we had kids, oh yeah, and and I and she kept me on the line for like thirty minutes, and it was like an acid trip. I saw my whole life kind of like playing. I was like playing out my whole life. 
Well, I think I think for you, you're so self-absorbed that that's probably the case. So like right, you, you were so like my whole world is about to end. Yeah, you're like son yes. of a bitch. Yes. Like there's yes. there something else I'm gonna have to be responsible for. Right, um, I'm not responsible for myself. But but I think you were aware of how self self-absorbed you were, um, and I was not, which was confronting for me. But the 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 so when it happened to me, I was like, great, I'm gonna do great at this. This is awesome. Um, and then, <laughs> then when we had them, that was more the confronting time. Uh, but no, I, I, I was stoked when she told me, I, I definitely was like, what the hell, man, but you should have told me that beforehand. But she's like, it takes so long to get pregnant. Not with this man. <laughs> and, and how long did you know her? What year was that? That was 2012. Uh, or actually that was 2000, late 2011, I should say like December, 2011. So, so t you knew her for two or three years, mm -hmm. and you knew your wife for about ten years, Asia. Right. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on how long you should know someone before you have a baby with them? Long enough to know that this is the person you want to have a baby with. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't have much. Uh, I, I, I know that meeting this woman was very different than meeting every other woman I've met. So it, it made sense once I finally met her. Um, so, but I, I couldn't t give you a time frame. Did you know at that time um, that I, I guess you were engaged? Why did you get engaged, Pat? Um, I got engaged with Taz because it was just like it. Nothing pointed to it being anything other than this is the woman I want to be with for the rest of my life. Um, it was. It wasn't like even a question. Like she was super special to me and. Um, I had had some amazing relationships previous to her, but she was on a whole different level. Um, and to this day, like, I'm so thankful for the relationship that I have. I, I'm, I'm super fortunate. I found a girl who is, I'm like the emotional one in our relationship. You know, like I, I carry more raw emotion. She's more like stoic and kind of holds her stuff. So like we have this yin and yang in so many ways, like we're exactly identical in our value structure but different in our, in our ways of being, even in our tastes, like our tastes are the exact opposite, but it's like, um, it's very balancing. So it, I got married cause it, it, it was, it, there was no, it was a no brainer. Like, uh, yeah. Did you think you were going to get married? Me? Yeah. As a kid. I, I thought, thought I'd get married yeah. at some point for sure. Yeah. I like, I like relationships. Um, for sure. <laughs> it, 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 was, Asia, go ahead, go ahead, Pat. I was a serial monogamous. So I was like the guy who'd be like, three-year relationship, four-year relationship, two-year relationship, three-year relationship, like, and then like Manho for like three months. Manho. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, man. Um, uh, <laughs> Asia, did you think you were going to get married? And, and, and why did you get married? Why did you ask Leah to marry you? Or did you ask her? I did ask her. I, uh, yeah, I would hope she didn't ask me. Um, no, I didn't. And I didn't care much for marriage. You know, culturally, I was raised in a my, – my mom, my dad actually never got married. They just recently got married probably five years ago for, like, tax purposes. Their, uh, their accountant basically told them, hey, you're at about that age where it's going to make sense for you guys to get married and share the same name. But I grew up seeing my mom and my dad love each other unconditionally without having to put a ring on the finger. And so that's what I was raised on. And I've always been a loyal individual, and every girl that I dated – from when I started dating up through Leah was like, I'm committed to you. Like I'm not being a manhole or doing anything behind your back to where I didn't necessarily believe in it or think it was necessary. But again, you, know, you meet somebody who you share extreme love for and you want things that they want. And that was important to her. Um, we had a perfect marriage though. We, we eloped in um, 
Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It was mm. basically me, her, and a couple photographers. And it was like, I mean, very, very fond memories. One of the most epic times of my life. Um, and so that's what she wanted. And I wanted to support her in what she wanted. And I wanted the same for her when we got to that moment in our, in our lives. Um, Pat, when, when, so you have the first kid and, mm-hmm. and now you have a kid and um, mm-hmm. does, does you guys know right away that you're going to have a second kid? Oh, I mean, how, Pat, how old were you then? How old were you then when you guys had your first kid? How old was she? How old were you? So I think she was 30 mm-hmm. and I was 26, 27. 26. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hey, yeah. Dude, I was kind of young. Yeah. It's God. Let me let me throw this on there, and I'm not defending Pat at all. It's not that he was completely self-absorbed for three years. It's that he was 26. <laughs> well, I think those are synonyms. Uh... Yeah, it, it, it's not a there, there, you do there. Um, uh, but but before when you were saying it, I was thinking of it as a negative thing. But there is a section in there from your tw- from your 20s to maybe your late 30s or your 40s where. I think it's healthy to be completely absorbed. Like to get, you have to have your grind on. You have to. You, For I mean, sure, I agree. You're a fucking horse that needs to get on the track and do some fucking big laps. For <laughs> sure, and and I I think that's part of that maturing is the age thing. Like you hit thirty and like sh- perspective shifts to an extreme degree, uh, at least somewhere around that space. Because um, I couldn't and- relate to what you were saying at first because when I had my first kid at 43 and I was already like in the garage, like. I was a kind of, you know what I mean? I wasn't running. I wasn't on the track anymore. My, my hardest working years were behind me. Not, not like, not in a bad way at all, but, but I I was, I was in the pasture a little bit. You know what I mean? I was a a coach. I was no longer an athlete. You know, I was like, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. 26, dude. Yeah, I, I I look back on it. I'm like, what the hell? Like, you know, like she, like she, she, she was, she was. I mean, she was four years older than me, so she was 30, and she was, you know, wanting to make that uh, a very, you know, meaningful time in her life, and so it made sense at the time, and I was totally down. But it was definitely, I was young, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I I would be. I think I would be. I was not terrified when my wife told me she was pregnant. But if at twenty six, I would have been terrified. I I was in a different. I mean, I had lived. A, I I've had a really good life, man. Like I right. I had done everything I wanted to do at that point in time. I'd competed in the games many times. I'd worked for a bunch of companies. I'd traveled the world. Like I'd like. like Mine yeah, would have been financial. Mine would have been financial and responsibility. Oh, yeah. I couldn't well, even we take care so of myself. I don't even know if I brush my teeth every day at twenty six. I still don't brush my teeth every day, okay, but that the, 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 the reality is like, I mean, you're never ready. Like I, I loved Asia was saying, right, you know, right. like we prepared, we did the right. thing. It's like, you're never ready. Like you, you never, it's, it's it, like you have a kid and you're never like, Oh, thank God I'm super prepared. It's like you right. have it and it's a shit storm. Um, yeah. and no matter which one it is. And, uh, I think it actually got easier with three and four with my personal opinion. I didn't have twins like you did, but, um, but yeah, I, I think you're never truly ready. So as much as you want to prepare, it's never, it's never enough preparation. And in Asia, your your first child was planned. Yeah, you know that's a good point. I, I, I'm, I believe you're never ready. I think there's certain things that you can prepare to a right. team, to a point, <laughs> right. but right. you don't really know until it hits you. Right. But I, I would say that it was, it was absolutely planned. It wasn't like, oh my god, what did we just do? Okay, I'm pregnant. It was like, okay, we. We need to hit these check marks, right? I want to take a relative <laughs> risk to do these things um, yeah. before we before we have them, before we do it. And our second was 
I kept pushing off our second as long as we could, but there was a specific time frame in which Leah wanted to have the second child. But I would say that we were as prepared as we could be to bring a child into this world as far as like mindset, spiritually, emotionally, like physically, financially, all these things to where, okay, we can bring another body into this world and support it without feeling like we're, we're drowning. Right. But then obviously you have the child and you're like, whoa, you can't prepare for things like these types of things. (laughs) Isn't it fun? Uh, I think it's wonderful. Do either of you have a nine to five? No. I mean, I define, yeah, I mean, yeah, I work for a best hour of their day. Uh, So I I do the gym consulting and. uh, But, but is it flexible? But I I guess, is it flexible? flexible? Yeah, it's flexible and I work from home. So yeah. you could you could start working from nine to midnight, or you could get up at four and do do four to eight, and then nine to midnight. For sure, and I think that that's that's one of the things that fascinates me is like I'm very fortunate in my life to have you know we both my both wife and I both work from home. We've both been entrepreneurs. We've both kind of been able to m- manipulate our schedule, and we're both like we don't have the major stressors of life of like, when are we going to eat next? Or where am I going to stay? Or like these things that are like, would sit on your consciousness to an extreme degree. And we have kids and it's incredibly stressful. And I can focus on things like, oh, I'm being self-absorbed. But I just can't imagine people who don't have those things covered. And they now have to raise a kid. Like, I'm like, what the, like, when I get overwhelmed, I start being a terrible parent, you know? And I don't have basic fundamental need stressors. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me to see to, to, and it's like horrifying to think about like having, not knowing what you're going to eat or having to work a nine to five and and not knowing where your kid's going to go for, for uh, daycare or whatever it is. Like that's like that perspective and, and trying to see that and raise kids consciously in that space would, I don't know. It, I know we've been doing it for a lot of human history, but still, it's just like, whew, that's heavy. I, I would put I would put myself in the camp as I'm just a hustler. I've always been a hustler. Like I'm just always trying to whether I'm slinging weed or slinging fucking video editing or doing a podcast. I'm always like just putting irons in the in the fire and just and, you know just planting seeds in the garden and seeing what sticks and just working hard. But but also being crazy flexible. So like if my wife, if I have plans and my wife's like, Hey, I want to do something at noon or I have a dentist appointment or something. I can just, I can just change, which makes, which is different than working for the city, right? Let's say you work at the city and you work at the fucking the water treatment plant. And basically yeah. what you're doing there is you're working nine to five every single fucking day, five days a week. But on the other end, after 20 years, you get to retire, right? Right. Whereas me and you in Asia are like assholes. We got to learn about 401ks and trying to save like 10% of everything that comes in and like trying to figure out, okay, like what well, well, we got to be like, we got to be thinking always all, all sorts of other weird shit. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you had two, a couple of people in the comments talking about like being poor and poor people spend more time with kids and uh, rich people spend time chasing money. I do know that I, I've met a lot of wealthy people who do not spend any time with their children. And it of course, fucking right. blow, it blows, it blows my mind. Like, right. It, it that to me would be the reason you'd want to earn an excessive amount of money was so that you could. But I think in order to earn excess, you have to sacrifice your life. It's it's your it's your baby. It's the thing that you love um, to some degree. If you're being honest with yourself, for me, I've never pursued extreme wealth. Like I'm, I can eat what I want to eat and live where I want to live. But I could have probably earned a lot more money if I would have stopped parenting 
<laughs> or, or, or I, I think maybe some of you guys could speak to this too, but it's just like, there is the opportunity to uh, earn a lot if you ignore your children. Someone uh, came, someone came up to me at the skate park yesterday and they said, uh, Hey, I said, Hey, they said, I can tell you spend a lot of time with your kids. It was the greatest compliment I've received in my entire fucking life. I don't even know what they meant by it, but I made some shit up in my head. Yes. <laughs> 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 and uh yeah it's uh was it that they all had the same clothes on yes and they yes. were all like dressed and they were they were, <laughs> exactly. they were saying some strange rhetoric that was all the same yes <laughs> we are Sevon's kids uh sleeky this is in relationship to um how uh this is in relationship to how long a relationship should be before you have kids sleeky says long enough to see how they act when they're angry meaning your mate when they're sad uh, when they've lost someone, mm, that's a good one. Uh, when they're happy, uh, you got to see all of them in many as many situations as possible. So she's not saying it's a, it's so much time as the metric, but um, uh, I, I guess different pressures, right? Circumstances. Mm -hmm. I would also say that like the communication piece will allow you to work your way through all of those, regardless of whether or not you actually see them. So if fundamentally, you you're kind of radically honest with each other, and you can slug through that then regardless of how they act in those situations, you can, you can have those conversations, but yeah. Uh, what, what do you mean by com uh, communication? Uh, well, I mean, oftentimes you say things that are not understood or you understand things that were not said uh, as, uh, <laughs> right. or you don't understand things that were implied and you're like, what the fuck? So like being able to honestly be like, what, what's going on here? And like not feel any qualms with like, having a back and forth that might be slightly antagonistic, but then really quickly saying, I'm sorry afterwards. Even if, I mean, for me, it was learning to not care about, like, I don't know, Savon, you were around when we first got together. My wife and I are both super strong-minded and we like to bicker. And we would just like go at each other constantly just for fun. And it would make people around us uncomfortable. Um, but we never took it personally. It was just like how we were. But eventually what happened was we would get into real fights and she would never let anything go ever. And I would also never let anything go because that's my personality. And eventually what happened was we would never overcome it. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm just going to say, fine, you're right. Even though she wasn't right, she was wrong. But I'm going to say you're right. And then accept that, you know what? Maybe she is right. And then immediately when I said that, she'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I didn't really care. And it was like, what? Mm. That's all I had to do? We've been fighting for like five hours? I just had mm. to say like, and, and that, that thing was a really like, oh, it, like, it really doesn't matter. And you're here with me. And it was just more for the sake of fighting. So that communication to me was, uh, was something I had to learn uh, of just like letting go. And it, it doesn't really matter. Most of the shit we fight about doesn't really matter. You know, right. if, if we're arguing right. about uh, our value structures, that's the time where we put a little bit more into it. But if we're arguing about the 99% of stuff that people argue about, like you told me to pick this up at the store. I didn't, but you texted me the wrong time. Da, 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 da. Like that, right. shit doesn't matter. Right. So, so letting that go sooner was a, 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 a growth moment for me. God saying sorry is huge. For sure. Saying to your kids is huge. Yeah. It, um, I, I, right. Absolutely. I, I also do this too. If the kids do witness uh, a fight, they have to witness the makeup. Mm-hmm. They have to, they, they, it, it can't be like, well, not all of the makeup. Cause then that's weird. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Absolutely. But, uh, 
but if if you, I'm, I'm just making, let's say your um, wife carries a, a something through the house and spills water all over the floors, and you're like, you lose instead of being cool about it, you're like, what the fuck, dude? You're spilling water in the house everywhere. Couldn't you? And then you and then you look over and your fucking kids are seeing at you. You gotta like take some deep breath. You can't make it weird, but you better fuck. Even if you're not fucking calm yet, you better fucking like make sure that you unfuck that shit and no. apologize to your wife. <laughs> Because or else, or else they're gonna get mates like that too. They're gonna end up being attracted yeah. to someone who treats their mate like that, and, and right. Yeah. And you want and you want the best for them. So they better see if you're gonna teach them the skill on how to be an asshole. You better also teach them the skill what's on the up, opposite side of that, humbleness, totally. apology. Um, you know, it's it's the same thing if 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 you're gossiping with people, right? If I gossip to you that um I saw Asia um stealing from Seven Eleven, and then later on I find out he wasn't stealing from Seven Eleven, he was he actually paid for it. I got to call you back and tell you that I can't just leave the shit fucking like, uh, dangling in the, uh, in the air. I um, it, it, I I think um it, it's interesting you say communication. I I was trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out if my wife and I have good communication. I don't know if we do. It's definitely sufficient. <laughs> um, you, but 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 longevity's been huge for us. We were together for I don't know ten or twenty years. Twenty I don't know fifteen. We were together for I guess we had kids when I was forty three and I met her when I was twenty three. So we had kids. We knew each other for twenty years. Never planned on getting married. Never planned on having kids. I'd be curious, Asia, if your dad's happy he got married. Because when I finally got, we had Avi, and then we got married for the same reasons, for tax reasons. But right after we got married, we just went to a courthouse. I was so happy. Yeah. I'm, I never thought I'd feel comfortable calling her my wife. And now it's like a second nature as um, being a dad. It's a trip. Yeah, he was. He was elated. He I mean, was. He, yeah, he grew, yeah. Up, he grew up in a family that believed in that as well. And so, but obviously in, in the relationship, you're going to want to support the opposite party and what they want. And, it's not that my mom didn't want marriage, but you know, she, she didn't essentially want marriage. I mean, she was kind of like I was where it's, I'm committed to you and this is what we're doing. But I think my dad really believed in marriage and um, the bond that it creates. And after they did get married, I think he was very excited. I know for a fact he was very excited and elated about it. Um, but yeah, it was a powerful moment for them to do that, even if it was tax purposes, but it's something that I think he saw his parents do at an early age. And it was something that he, soaked in and believed that was important to him and so when he did that it was it was it was a positive moment that fentanyl kicked in hard for pat you see that (laughs) (laughs) did you see him present hey i think of my i think of my relationship with my wife as the crown jewel of my life it's my it's my it's, it's my ultimate accomplishment or, or he's my, I don't know if accomplishment's the right word, but it, does that resonate with you at all? Just like, it's my, it's like my ultimate bank. All my energy there spent there is wise money, is smart money. I completely agree. It's the foundation of, of the relationship. And I saw uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Sean Pasuch post this the other day and I, and I, I thought it was amazing, but it's like, you know, you're, the husband and the wife's relationship is priority to the children. So it's wife is number one. Kids are number two. Yes. 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 It's, was... it's, it's counterintuitive because your feelings might be for your uh, child, but if you truly care about your child, you'll, you'll, yes. I, totally. I, I mean, in my relationship, if, if the, the bond between my wife and I isn't strong, it's not romantic. It's not there. Um, like nobody's happy. 
you know, if mom ain't happy ain't nobody happy, it's so true. Right. Right. Uh, another thing is, is this, um, to give a, a really objective exa- example for people. If you see your wife, I'm doing something to your kids that you don't approve of, like yelling at them for, um, uh, having a dirty room or yelling at, let's say they're, they're, uh, She's told him to get in the car 10 times and now she's raised her voice and you don't like the way she's treating her kids. You don't go fucking attack your wife. You don't be like, hey, why are you talking to them like that? You, you never I – mean, obviously, she, she's not beating them with a fucking belt. But you go in there and you say – but you, you say you, – you show the kids that you're – first of all, for two reasons. For your relationship and also for your kids. Your kids want to know that the parents are a team. So right. your goal is in, two, in one stroke to defuse the situation, but let them also know that you're with your wife and your wife feels supported. So what I, one of the things I like to do is like to go in there and be like, boys, what have you done that's um, aggravated mom so much? Clearly, I know she loves you to death and she doesn't want to be raising her voice to you. What have you guys done? How many? I, I've heard her tell you five times to go to the car and then they scramble and then I give my wife a kiss and, and we go on our way. But but it is tempting to go in there, right? Because they're yelling, you know, and I think more so for the moms and the dads. My wife would sees me sometimes getting angry at my kids, and she wants to come in and just directly talk to me right away, right in front of the kids. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, chill. But but she doesn't. She, show you're a fucking team, and then afterwards talk when they're not gone. Hey, dude, come up with some something better than pulling his ear. I don't like that shit. Yeah, you know, comes back to the communication piece. Not just communicating with your kids, but communicating with your wife. Right, and then and then modeling that. This is a collaboration on how you're raising your children. Because then I think it comes down to, you know, the kids don't go to mom or dad for one specific thing. They know that they're both on the same page. And if you're raising your children both on the same page and having those conversations offhand, even in the moment, you know, Pat brought up a really great example is like, you know, there might be fights or arguments or whatnot, but explaining that to the children versus, or you, you brought that up, right? Explaining that to the children or letting them see the makeup afterwards, yeah. right? See the the heat of the conversation, but then also get the explanation of what's going on and see the makeup afterwards. I mean, it's just a, it's a consistent streamline of communication that leads to a, a healthier, stronger, more loving relationship. And if the children can see that within their mother and their father, they're going to model that within their future relationships, but also with their mother and father as well, which I think is extremely important. The modeling, the, yeah, that's what the word I was looking for. Modeling, you said it. Um, uh, that's exactly what it is. So after I say to my wife, "Hey, you're spilled water all over the floor," I have to be like, "Hey, that was inappropriate the way I spoke to you. I should have just run to the a good team player would have run to the laundry room, gotten some rags, and helped you clean it, and given you a kiss, and 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 I'm and I apologize. Yeah, you got even even if I don't want to say that, I say it because 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 I do know on the other hand it is the right thing to do. Like it would like what do you like what what's yelling at someone for spilling water on the floor gonna do? Yeah, that ain't fixing shit. <laughs> those are power. Those are the, in my opinion, those are the most mature, most powerful relationships. The one that have the possibility to last the longest are the individuals that make up that relationship are egoless. They're not afraid to take ownership. Um, they're not to admit when they're wrong, but they're also not afraid to speak up when they believe something is right and that happens on both parties because then in the instances that you talked about, if you feel like you're in the wrong, you're not willing, you're, you're not afraid to, to speak up and accept that, but it's the same on the opposite end. Right. And as right. long as that communication stream is consistent, like that is what's going to allow these relationships to endure. But then this is the, what you want to show to your children. A hundred percent. 
Be, because at the end of the day, you want them to pick pick. Uh, you want them to have happy relationships. Excellent. And excuse me, exactly. And the only, as they're youthful, like the only or the most opportunistic time they see what relationships look like is how the mom treats the dad and how the dad treats the mom. And then they model that within their relationships, whether they're friends or brothers or siblings, or whatever. I, I was somewhere the other day and I saw a mom, um, a, 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 a child be rude to, to a parent. And the parent yelled back at the kid. Maybe yelled too strong, but got sassy back, bickered back to the kid. And then there were two other adults there who also uh, chastised the kid for speaking to their mom that way. And, and, and I felt like the mom was too, too heavy-handed to the child. And I thought to myself, when you, do, when you do that, you're teaching that boy to find a mate who would undermine him in front of other people. Like I would never want – even if my kid was in the complete wrong and he was a total asshole to my wife, I wouldn't want my wife to like chastise him publicly uh, so that then he it, – it's, it's even nuances like that so that he later would think, oh, I need to find a woman who will chastise me in public, who would betray me in public. I would want him, her to be like, um, c- come over here, Avi, and pull him to the car and fucking stare into his soul and fucking let him know you better never disrespect me in public ever again. You know what I mean? But yeah. not, but to do it in private, right? Because, like, for me, one of my my most important things in my relationship is um, uh, for my my wife and I to be strong out in public. All fighting happens behind closed doors. Right. We never show we never show a kink in our armor. Yeah, that's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, we've all, we've all had those moments, where right? Right. We say something or we act a specific way and we regret it. Completely. Right. Oh, but, for sure. But you for learn sure. from it, you know. Yes. And I, I, I like early on in in having children like there were moments where i acted without thinking i -hmm. let my emotions get the best of me and that really hurt my children or hurt my uh hurt my son and my wife would pull me to the side and talk to me and i I don't i don't think you should have done that and then me as a father has the decision to say okay like i can be stubborn and say no you're wrong like i did that whatnot or i can eat my pride i can apologize to my son i can communicate and explain to him what happened and why i'm sorry for what happened and tell him that i will be better in the future to handle those situations and i think that's so powerful from a parent standpoint to be able to accept apologize take ownership and then learn from that experience and if those things aren't happening between the ears like that could be some dangerous things that exist within the person within the within the parenting experience uh, it's, it's interesting you say that it took me a while to 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 figure this out but i have two different parenting styles when my wife's around and when she's not around and so so let's say let's say for lack of a better word let's say my aggression level when my wife ar- is around if my aggression level goes over five the kids will cry when my wife's not around if my aggression level goes to 10 they're still not crying and so I've learned to and, – and, and my wife can handle different amounts too. And I just remember the stuff my dad used to do to me that I kind of cherished. Like if, if I was being naughty and he was holding my hand, he would squeeze his fingers together until I would say, ow. But then I would come back later and ask him to do it again to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though it was my punishment, I wanted to feel that again. And I – it's just and, – and so those – it's funny. There's things that my wife doesn't maybe understand – 
as much, and, and I think she tries to, but there's things my wife doesn't understand as much about uh, maybe a father's relationship with her kids versus versus a mom's. Like, I, I think my, my boys enjoy, when I'm around, we can wrestle really hard and they enjoy getting tossed up and just hammered, right? But if my wife's around, I could go 20% strength and they start crying. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a there's a different vibe in the house when mom's there. And they look at her and shit. You know what I mean? Like, save me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, something to that. Pat, welcome sure. back. Yeah, good to see you. But 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 uh, Asia, I didn't mean to dismiss. Half the time, my wife is right. Like I did something that was just like, "Hey, dude, you exploded." She'll be like, "Dude, you exploded on him. You didn't give him a fucking chance." And I'll be like, "Yeah, you're right." And then I go back and tell my kids, "Hey, dude, you deserve better than that. I can and I can do better." Totally. Uh, yeah, the, you know the great thing about that too is the more that you have that communication or those instances where you do f up, yeah, and your significant other lets you know that you f up, like, and you could speak to this, you realize that happens less as you go along parenting journey yes because you, you were corrected for your wrongdoings or whatever those might be and the person that you believe in the most the the, the person that is walking this journey collaboratively with you has talked to you correctly you, you've owned up on it like these things happen less you learn from them but if that doesn't happen they happen on a repeated basis and i think that's what leads to a lot of these you know toxic relationships or toxic parenting or whatever you might want to call them because there's no communication line there. There's nobody that's owning up to things. There's no, hey, I, I think you should have done this better. Um, and it has to be done in private. No one wants to feel teamed up on. No one want, The dad never wants to feel like it's mom and the three kids against him. Like dad fucks up. Oh, did a bird just fly through your office? I just saw a bird fly behind you, Asia. No, I think it was maybe a fly. Oh, that was a giant fly. <laughs> uh, um, uh. Pat, I, I think you and I were talking about this before you left. Yesterday, the, the timing was perfect. Yesterday, I, I love watching my when my wife comes home. I'm watching my boys uh, look at her. So, like my yesterday, <laughs> my wife my wife came home. It was like eight thirty at night. We were in the driveway, uh, fooling around, and she pulls up. And when she gets out of the car, I like looking at my boys. That look they give her. And last night was the first time I'm like, oh, I'm gonna start emulating that. I'm going to look at her the way they – I mean they're so fucking excited to see her. Or you know when you're somewhere like you're at the beach with your kids or you're somewhere and they don't expect mom to come and she shows up and you just see them fucking like – they can't even believe it. It's like Donut showed up. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's, I, that's how I want to see my wife, like how they see her. And I was like last night I just had that thought. That's awesome. I mean uh, the, the fact that you gained that per, you know perspective on it, I think – I think if we can view our wives in the life-giving light that that the kids view them, that's probably a good call. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good word, life-giving light. Uh, Pat, can you give us a little uh, uh, 360 of where you're standing? Sure, I'm standing up here on top of my uh, pool house thingy. Um, this is the the internet is down below, which is why I'm out here. For some reason, the one in my house decided to disconnect. I've got. Back there, there's 150 acres of uh, organic brandy grapes. They're not mine, but it's my neighbor. And my satellite dish is up in their, you know, area. That's the only reason this place gets better internet. <laughs> oh, you, what kind of internet do you have? Who's your provider for that in the sticks? It uh, his name is Ken. I have Ken the internet dude. And literally oh, we had... 
dude he's he sold his company he's the most hilarious he's like a polyamorous 60 year old uh, walking farter awesome dude uh and he like literally i couldn't find internet out here and this someone's like have you spoken to internet ken and i was like who and this guy set up his own 150 foot tower at his house pays wow. for a terabyte or a gigabit stream from the local shortwave antenna and then broadcast it to the neighborhood and then you pay him directly so i literally have ken that's who i have oh that's awesome uh, Olson dudes just saw the notification of these two awesome OGs. Have a phenomenal day, gents. Thank you, uh, Mr. Olson. Uh, Ken Walters, uh, and when you fight 99, 99 out of 100 times, uh, two days later, you never remember why you were arguing. Uh, I'm betting with all of us were trivial, meaningless things. 100%. 100%. Yep. Jeremy Eat World, uh, Sevy's too big time for it, but Pat in Asia, we'd love to have some of these shared experiences in the We Be Used Dads group. Pat knows what I'm talking about. We Be Us Dads group. Oh, We Be Us. Oh, thank you. Shit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's like Toys R Us. That's, uh, that's Wes, Wes, Mr. Wes Pyatt's uh, group of dads chatting. Yeah, Jeremy loves that group. They're the ones he went to uh, Yosemite with, right? Yes. Uh, what about um, uh, when, my, when my wife got pregnant and I was looking at her and she was going through growing the baby inside of her, the whole entire time I never told her this, I was terrified for her about how she's going to uh, – how that baby's going to get out. Were you, were you guys tripping on that? Were you guys, and, and did you tell her that or did you just keep that in? <laughs> I just pushed it in. I'm like, do not ever let those words come out of your mouth. Uh, d- were you guys tripping on that? Like, what the fuck? How is this thing going to get out? No. No. I, never was. I wasn't. You, you yeah. weren't either. No. You weren't like scared for her? Like, you would, if you were pregnant, you wouldn't, you don't think you'd be terrified or you would, but you just still weren't scared for her. I was so scared for my wife. I never let her know though. I hid it. I don't know. I was re- <laughs> looking back because of the role that my, my wife is in and all of the experience that she has, like being a doula, being a part of birth fit. Like I was relatively fearless along the journey because like, I didn't feel there was never a step along the way where I was like questioning anything. She was kind of driving. Or I shouldn't say she was kind of, she was absolutely taking the steering wheel and navigating me along this journey. And I think that like, that allowed me to really focus on how I could support her and how I could do things that didn't really revolve around, I guess, carrying or holding the baby, but like supporting her to make sure that I was fueling and feeding her appropriately, that she was getting her rest, that she was feeling beautiful, feeling love, that we were, you know, keeping our, you know, our romantic relationship. And I think that from a, a husband or a father's standpoint is so powerful that I don't have to like, worry about a lot of those things as far as like are we going to have a birth at a hospital or birthing center are we going to have a midwife or a doula along these process and the more people that we brought into that that were friends and very tenured um, people within that birthing industry it just allowed me to have more and more confidence to know that we were in the right hands and I could do the things that I felt I was skillful in did she handle all of that she handled all that all of that in, in what like the, like the birth like like the birthing stuff like just like picking the doula picking the midwife 
where you're gonna have the baby, like all that shit. Order the the pool or the dish, whatever. Like I like, yeah, hundred percent. And that was uh, it, it, that was an amazing part of our 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 first birthing experience and journey. Was like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have to. She would she would loop me in to get my two cents or my opinion on things. But she was all she already knew the birthing experience she wanted. These are the things that she wanted to do. Like knowing my wife and knowing how strong of an individual she is, like I didn't for one moment fear that like what was going to happen was going to happen. And I felt that the people that were on our team were a lot more experienced and tenured than I was to where if something bad or wrong did happen, they would be able to step in. And then I could support her from the, from the vantage point that I could support her in. But then I'm also in the firm believings of like, if it happens, it happens. And we deal with it when it does happen. But we control what we can control. And that's preparing for the birthing experience we want. But what happens within the birthing experience, this is what is going to happen. Yeah, my wife did all that too. I didn't do sh- I just like, I just did common sense shit. Like, like what? Just like, like um, the you know, you're you're just in the all those meetings with the doulas and the midwives, and they'll be like, "Hey, you should have grapes, and you should have uh, the, the water, and you should have." So then I'm just writing that shit down, and then and then you just make sure it's there or there. You know what I mean? I didn't like. Um, That's huge. Yeah, they're like I mean, they're like, "Hey, when she's having the baby, push here and here, and make sure the skin doesn't tear." And I'm like, "Fuck, I could do that," and just kind of like, but I didn't have any of my own. I don't know. I, I absolutely love the experience. I love the whole journey, but it was just crazy how little I had to do. Yeah. How- well, it's, a, it's a supportive, it's a supportive role. And yeah. It's exactly what you had mentioned. It's like being present at those meetings. I mean, right. I have conversations with women who their husbands don't, they don't feel that it's important enough for them to step into those meetings. I'm like, that's one of the most important things you can do along this journey is show your wife that you give a shit enough to be a part of that and write down notes to feed her grapes or to do the perinatal massages and then execute on those things. Right. Because the wife needs to understand that like, this is a collaboration. Like we're going through this together. And I can't tell you how often I hear of stories of women who feel alone in the journey. And a lot of that leads to postpartum depression, you know, how their birthing experience is if they're holding a lot of stress and they're not able to surrender. And so from the vantage point of like a husband, it's like, like the, the greatest role that you can play in that experience is to support the shit out of your wife and to prioritize her, put her on a pedestal. If she wants to work out or exercise and you know, something's going on where you can't do your workout or exercise. Cool. Let her, because this is about her and it's about supporting her as much as you can. More times than not, that's going to lead to the birthing experience you both want. Um, we did a, we did a birthing class. Um, and, and uh, for anyone who's interested um, Birthfit also does those, and we definitely would have gone through Birthfit if we knew about it at the time. Birthfit is an, an incredible resource for all that stuff. But we did a birthing class, and I'll remember the teachers like, "Hey, once you have a plan in place, it's the husband's job to help the wife execute on that plan." And I'll give you one of the examples: is is let's say your wife wants to. Um, we were originally going to have the baby in the hospital, and let's say your wife wants to have a natural birth, and she doesn't want to get the epidural or the pitocin. So what they they tell you to do as the uh, husband is if any time your wife decides that she wants that stuff, you're to you're to remember what her plan is and kind of get figure out a way to get everyone out of the room and buy her 30 seconds alone with you or a minute alone with you to work on some breathing or work on a plan. So it would go like this. The doctor would be like, hey, 
um, uh, you, you've been in labor for too long. It's time to uh, give you an, uh, you know, Pitocin or something. And you're just say, okay, um, can everyone leave? I want to have some time alone with my wife. Because that like, for instance, that may stress your wife out because now her plan's not going according to plan. And so they, all that shit was great. Right. And that's your, and th- that was at the time when I, when, when I was taking the class, that shit wasn't comfortable for me. I was like, I don't want to do that. But I wrote all that shit down and, uh, and we did, we eventually, she just had the baby on the living room floor, but it still was valuable to me. You still know, I still knew that I, I, at that point I need to be like full on guard for my wife in every single fucking way. I'm there to protect her. If there's an earthquake and the ceiling falls on her, I'm there. If someone says something stupid, I'm there to, um, and, and all feed her, nurture her. Like basically you're just, a um, you're everything to them. They're, I guess they're so fucking vulnerable. You have to, they're so fucking vulnerable at that. The most vulnerable human being probably can be at that moment, more vulnerable than the baby. Yep. And so I guess I never thought of it like that, but your job is, is to make sure that there's no, um, you, you, even your thoughts have to be pure. She can't, she can't feel any, she, your job is to make it so that she feels completely safe being vulnerable, right? So that the baby can come out. I guess that would be it. I mean, she's, the, being... she, she, she's the workhorse in that environment and she's not always thinking clearly she's not sensible she's not the brain of the operations right because she's so focused i mean there's you know can't fathom what the woman is going through in that moment when she's going through labor birthing a child but they're not thinking right and no so my, I, I always describe it as my wife went away like when she had the yeah. twins she had the baby then she came back and then a few hours later i'm like oh shit you're leaving again she goes i am you know and then right. she went back to that place and it's like fuck they're not even here so you have to be that one because right. if not you, then who? Right. And there's a lot of pressure in those situations and there's a lot of choices that might be had if you're not there stepping up and resorting back to the plan. I think that's why it's so great to have a doula in the situation too because you know, when I think of even us knowing the information and knowledge and experience that we did, if we were to have another child, we'd be a lot more empowered with information, a lot more confident in that setting. But like a doula is like two or three times that to where there's somebody to lean on who knows and shares your same birthing values, knows and shares your same birthing plan, where they are the the other sensible ones within that moment to help the mom make the best decision for her and the experience that they want. Pat, did you ever think you were going to lose Taz with baby number four? Did it flash through your head like, oh shit, I'm 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 going to be a single dad with three with three or four kids? Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, that was, that was, uh, that was, it was very fast. As I said, it happened so quickly, but there was a, there was a very short period of time where, uh, I was like, it, it came cause I didn't know what was happening. Uh, and then when I figured it out, I was like, Oh shit. Were you and, in the room? Uh, you were in the room. I was in the room when everything went down and then they took her out really rapidly. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and they gave, they're like, we'll send someone in with scrubs. And I was like, why would I need scrubs? And, and then I'm sitting there and and then the cleaners came into the room that I was sitting in and it was dead quiet. It went from like ultimate chaos to dead quiet. And I was sitting there just like, what's happening. And then I look in the hallway and there's nobody in the hallway. And then I, and there's nobody in the entire birthing center. And like one woman comes up and she comes down to me and she's like, Hey, uh, I was like, my wife would want me there. And she was like, your wife's under. Uh, and I was like under, Oh, great. You know, I was like, cool. She's under. That means she's not worried about me. Uh, but then I was like, wait, why is my wife under, you know, like the, cause they didn't tell me what was happening. So, um, in that moment, I kind of sat there and was like, 
if she's under, like shit could be going really wrong. Um, and, uh, I think that was probably the first genuine prayer that I've ever sent out. <laughs> wow. Wow. A, wow. I feel you. I'm, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a like some dear guy. God shit. Like dear God. Yeah. Like, like yeah. genuinely, like awesome. just putting it out there with like uh, utmost, like honesty and just everything I could of like, please anything help. Um, yeah. and it was, it was, it was intense to say the least. Um, and a lot of adrenaline and everything came up and then, you know, a couple minutes later, they're like, your son's out. And I got to go in and my little brother showed up and my little brother's a pediatric doctor here in town. And, you know, he came in with me and, and I got to be with my son. I got to hold my son, my fourth son for the first two hours of his life while my wife was still being worked on. But like, um, yeah, no, I held him for a bit and then I got nauseous and I had to go vomit. You know, it was so such a, a release of uh, endorphins and whatnot. So, um, oh, from that, it was just so fucking intense. Your body just fucking ejected. Totally. It was like it, I, I got like I was sitting there and I started getting really hot holding my son. And I was like, hey, I'm going to take off my sweatshirt. Can you hold him for a second? And they held him and I was like, I'm really hot. And they're like, you're going to pass out. I'm like, I'm not going to pass out. I'm going to vomit can I please have a trash can? And they were like, what? No, you're going to pass out. And they freaked out because they thought I was going to pass out. And I was like, nope. And so they brought over a trash can and I vomited. And then I felt great. And like, if from there, like as God, soon as that's I so like, nice that you felt great. I'm so glad it ended like that. It did. I like vomited everywhere. And then I like stood up and I was like, I was good to go after the vomit. Um, and my son, you know, like woke right. It was almost like I let go of all of that. And then he came to life more. And then Taz came out of the sort of, room and it was it was heavy but uh yeah uh, that was hard uh, it was scary <laughs> when when my uh when one of the twins was born he came out not breathing and he came out with his hand on his head like this and and, and my wife was on all fours when he came out so she couldn't see him and i was holding the first twin and he was in in the the the, the midwife was holding him and he was gray like 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 this like silver gray it was crazy didn't look like a like look like a shitty dead halloween baby like you'd see it in front of someone like a look like a prop and she was holding the baby yeah. like this and it's he was so limp his hands were touching behind his back it was fucking and they looked at me the the two midwives or the three midwives looked at me the three midwives looked at me and they shook their head and now tears are pouring out of my eyes and my wife looks up at me and she goes is everything okay and i go yeah i'm just really excited and then they 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 said they put the baby on my wife's back and they told her, okay, talk to your baby. And then they fucking resuscitated the fucking kid, they, which was like, looked Yo. like this equipment from like 1914. It was like a, a turkey baster squeezer with just like a, yeah, a plastic yeah. cup on the kid's face. Yeah. And the kid came to life. And I thought, Pat, um, I thought for sure the kid was dead. I started, I heard the story start up in my head, actually. You lost a baby in birth. It was, it was fucking intense. And then 90 seconds later, the baby was breastfeeding. Yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was uh, like 20 minutes. But later on, I looked at the journal. I looked at the midwife's notes and the whole thing happened in 90 seconds from the baby being not breathing, being gray to breastfeeding. Wow. It was nuts. Yeah. Freaking wild. Crazy. Yeah. Just something we, to echo on what you guys were saying earlier, that having someone in birth to, to advocate for you, as yeah. just like Asia was saying, like a doula, uh, we had a really amazing midwife who, you know, is a family friend who would come to each one of the births, but just someone who's advocating for you guys, 
because you don't always get the doctor that you set up with. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool to be able to advocate for yourself, but somebody who's been to hundreds and thousands of births, you know, like that's a, that's a, that's a big thing in your corner. If you can swing it and make that happen, it's, uh, it's really helpful to have uh, someone who advocates for you. Huge. That's the word. And that is the word. Sorry. That great advocate. And uh, the husband should be her number one advocate. Mine was, and I felt so loved and protected and safe. Yeah. If you, Absolutely. what Pat's saying, if you can find a professional advocate, like someone who, who, who's like basically meeting with your wife once a week for the, you know, three or four months building up to the birth and, and knows what your wife wants, dude. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Did you have your, you had your baby at home, AJ, AJ, AJ? The, the first baby we AJ? had at the, at the birthing center, then the second baby we had at home. And, and why did you switch to home? My wife wanted to, and she felt super confident based on our first one that she could. And it would just, I mean, it was, it was her optimal and ideal birthing experience to have the child at home. And we had just moved into our new house. Um, and it would just, it was a perfect opportunity for us to do it and that's exactly what she wanted to do and that baby came fast very very fast like i was filling up the tub with water and everything and she couldn't even get you know she couldn't even get in the tub to have it. she had it on the bed but i'd say probably 90 minutes from labor to delivery was how quick ruby came wow yeah what was your longest labor pat your wife's longest labor uh Longest labor was the first one, so it got progressively shorter. Uh, even the placental abruption was a shorter labor. Um, but I, th I think longest labor was like 10 hours or 11 hours, something like that. When, when my wife had the twins, um, it ended up being 25 hours. And it's funny because I had, I had some concerns about my um, stamina for labor. Like something that like maybe I've never even consciously thought before or said, but now that we're thinking about it, I had some concerns about my stamina. Like, how am I going to stay up all night? Like, I'm a pussy. I'm going to need to sleep. Yeah, that's probably my biggest concern. Oh, it was okay, yeah. but for but it never became an issue for me. Yeah, like I was I was like I don't even think I slept the next day after the babies were born. I think I both times I stayed up for like 36 or 48 hours, like it was nothing, like better than any drugs I had ever done. It was crazy. I was fading on our first one, but then we took like a, a small minuscule nap on the bed together. And that just like re-energized me. But that was my biggest concern. was like, okay, we're going to oh. labor from night through the morning. Like, I don't even know if I could be up for this. Well, I did that too. You're right. If my wife had downtime, like during the labor or something, then I would take downtime with her. Yeah, I would just fucking get fetal position right next to her. Yeah, right. exactly. But But I was really surprised, like from like midnight to four in the morning just flew by. It wasn't like I was bored or I was like needed something. It was just like blink of an eye and it's fucking over. I was like, yeah. holy shit, that was the past four hours. <laughs> um, I, I wonder how anyone does do it without a duel and a midwife. You know, one of the, I'll tell you the, one of the reasons why we switched from the hospital to home birth was a kind of what Pat was saying. I said to the doctor at one point, I said, hey, so when we do the birth, and she said, I'm not going to be, I, I don't know if I'm going to be here. And she got all short with me. And I go, oh, what do you mean? You're her doctor. And she goes, I can't be at every birth. I don't know when they're going to happen. And just the way she said it, like I should have known, I was like, all right. There were like two or three things like that. And I'm like, we're not, we're not, I, I don't, I don't feel like this is, you know what I mean? I don't feel like this is a team effort and I wanted it to be a team effort. So yeah, it, yeah, I, I, I I can't recommend a doula or a midwife, someone who you know is going to be there. 
was there always a doula or a midwife with you, Pat, for your wife, all four kids? Uh, well, the, the, the three kids, uh, we always had the same midwife. Oh, awesome. Uh, and then our fourth kid, she wasn't available. Oh. Um, and so she was actually birthing her daughter's son. So she was doing her grandchild at that time. So she was out of town. Wow. Um, so we ended up having. Yeah, we ended up having nobody there for the most horrific one. Uh, but the our doctor actually finally made it that time. So we had our our Taz is actually OB who is uh, who's who's awesome uh, who did the surgery and stuff. I actually made her a knife as a gift. Um, oh, that's cool. It, which was kind of on the nose, but <laughs> it was yeah. what it was on the what um, we she advocated for us what on the nose. Say? It was on the nose to make her a knife as a gift. I don't get it on the note. Oh, because I got oh, it. I'm losing got the arm. Got, got it. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because the baby had to be cut out. I'm a little slow to the game. Uh, I, I, I cannot imagine um, doing it without a doula or a midwife. Well, I get. I guess to be honest with you, I think now I could just do it with my wife. I know that maybe sounds pompous, but I don't know. I did. You guys ever get woozy at all? I enjoyed the whole fucking process. I liked all of it. I like watching the baby come out. I like watching her deal with the shit. I, I mean, there were some emotional ups and downs, but I was fully intrigued. Like it was, I was never, um, I never wanted to leave. I never had any like, okay, I'm done with this shit. Yeah, no, I, I, I there was a, a point in there where I was woozy or hey i need to step out of the room i mean i wasn't like actively like watching the baby coming out you know i was more supporting her you know hip squeezing rubbing her shoulders whatever it was then right. the baby pops out the baby pops out um i think one thing that i probably would have got squeamish with was like if there were uh, you know she had a, a small grade tear with kai yeah like, I, I don't want to watch you sew that up like I, I don't know if i could watch that right so i mean that's obviously something that i wasn't like what's going on but no point throughout the birth was I like, all right, I need to remove myself. But, you know, you, I hear of a lot of gentlemen who can't can't stand in there because of seeing their wife or their significant other in pain mm. or because, I mean, we all know like that's a, a level of yelling, screaming, pain, discomfort that you're never going to see your wife in. That's hard to take and it's hard to bear. I I enjoyed that part. No, I no, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. And and um and um, immediately afterwards too, then she gives birth to the placenta. And I don't, for whatever it's worth, I don't mean to be too graphic, but I enjoyed all that shit too. I enjoyed looking at that. I enjoyed looking at the umbilical cord. I enjoyed uh, t touching that. I enjoyed holding the baby. I enjoyed like it, it's a um. I think if you don't get really up close and immerse yourself in that you're missing an incredible opportunity that will bond you to the child for the rest of its life like just make everything richer yeah did you guys it. keep that stuff we i have the umbilical cord i was somewhere. gonna ask if you did you did you do anything with the placenta like i think my wife wanted or? to uh, and i was I, I can't remember if she did i, I know she wanted to i can't nah, remember but i we but got I rid of we got rid of that cords. you did get rid of it yeah pat fed it to a dog i bet pat did you feed it to a dog I mean, it's highly likely they're right behind this gate right here. So yeah, we'll just, probably throw, just the, the throw the placenta over. 
I I don't know if I didn't remember or what, but I kind of felt sorry for them too. Afterwards, they have the baby, and then they got a birth to placenta. Afterwards, I can't. I just remember every time that happened, I'd be like, "Oh shit, that's yeah." Wait, you're not done. Yeah, right. I would presume though, birthing the placenta is like nowhere near birthing the child, but it's still like, "Oh, I thought I'm done." Nope, you're not but, done. Right. They do that belly massage, the uterine massage though, which looks painful as. Because they've just given birth and they've gone yeah. through that whole thing, and then they got someone in there doing this deep uterine uh, massage. That's like, bleh. I do not envy that. I do not envy that whole process being that person. Hey, it it was a uh, a pleasure um, hanging with you. I feel like we could um, uh, do this again. It, it, it's funny. This is uh, this morning. I was like, we didn't even talk about the stuff that I wanted to talk about. I was like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to go. We got Pat on here uh, last minute. Um, and, and I'm appreciative as a, for BirthFit, um, you know, encouraging this, this was kind of their idea. And originally when I, when I first got fired from CrossFit, I started a podcast that's called meet the parents. And then I, and I probably interviewed like, I don't know, 15 sets of parents. And then I, and then I stopped and I can't kind of haven't revisited that, but it would be cool to, uh, have you guys back on. And, um, I feel like this was more like us just getting together and, and saying hi again after a long time. But maybe get back on and uh, in the future <laughs> and talk more, share share stuff. Maybe I even drill it. down into you know like changing diapers, what sports should your kids play, how do you avoid them eating sugar, just fun shit like that. Um, oh, all sorts of stuff. And it could be a whole show also on how to pick a mate. I think it, congratulations to both of you um, for um, you know still being in your marriages. I mean, we live in a time when people aren't in marriages. Maybe we can talk about uh, those types of things too if you guys are open to that. I would love it. I think those are great topics. Cool. Yeah, uh, Pat, uh, you are always uh, powerful, strong, vulnerable, uh, handsome, and generous with your time. Thank you. Uh, love having you on. You're a great dude. Uh, Asia, uh, our paths Thanks, will uh, cross again. Uh, please thank the people at uh, BirthFit for encouraging this podcast. And uh, I'll be in touch, and, and hopefully we'll reschedule something soon. Will do. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. We'll see you. All right, guys. Ciao. Oh, I like that. Uh, Eric Wise, thank you. These are the conversations dad, dads need to have and want to hear. Really? I, I can't tell, though. I'm a little. Uh, Matt Burns, uh, in some cultures, fathers eat the foreskin after circumcision. Sevi, did you partake? My kids aren't circumcised. I don't do uh, genital uh, mutilation. Um, that was good. I, I had no idea how that was going to go. I don't really, I haven't talked to Pat, like Pat talk. I haven't talked to Pat, Pat, talk to him, talk to him. I mean, I see him around town. I'll say hi. Like, you know, as we both pull up to an event or something, but, uh, it was cool kind of reigniting, um, that relationship. So that was great. That was, that was really great. That went, um, I had no idea how that was going to go. I guess I'd never know how any of them are going to go. All right. Um, I support uh, more Pat in Asia. I called him AJ at one point. Jesus Christ. Uh, can you do this monthly? Dude, monthly's a lot. Uh, squid pro quo. The, the dude took a pic of my LO during my C-section. My LO. My LO. I don't know what an LO is. Lower ovary? 
lower. Mm. How does your wife feel about your boys not being circumcised on the eighth day? Oh, is that some Jew shit? No, she doesn't care. <laughs> she, there's a movie called American Circumcision where it talks about the um, history of Judaism and circumcision and all that stuff. If you're going to have a kid, I highly recommend you check it out. Oh, Eric Weiss, uh, screw the games. Uh, I'll take Pat and AJ any day. AJ, Jesus, Asia, what the fuck is wrong with me? Asia, Asia, Asia Barto, Asia. Uh, Jeremy World, Eric, that was a very we be us esque bunch of amazing shared experiences. Yeah, watching your wife have a baby is kind of cool. Really enjoyed it. I guess I, I guess I guess I could have gotten squeamish. I just didn't. I really just vomit and poop, or like the smell of vomit and poop can kind of make me weird. But there were no smells and the nothing, nothing smelt. Oh, little one. Took a picture of your little one. The dude took a pic of my little one during my C-section. Oh, you mean like your baby's open and the baby's just sitting in there? The stomach's open and the baby's just in there? Yeah, that's intense. How the fuck am I supposed to know L.O. is little one? Who knows that? Do people know that? Oh, Uh oh, what is that? What is that? I don't know what that is. Where is that? Where is that? Oh. Oh, shit. I got to go. Okay, guys. Uh, bye. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow morning, we have uh, Jesse Befano on, I believe. Uh, that is the strength coach up in Canada of uh, Emily Turner and uh, Justin Medeiros. I'll talk to you guys soon. Love you guys. Bye-bye.